0: Welcome to Co-Op Energy Talk, I'm Rachel Johnson, the Member Relations Manager here at Cherryland Electric Cooperative, and today we're going to talk about something that can seem a little mundane but really is surprisingly controversial, tree trimming. And I looked into finding a tree trimming joke to share with y'all, but it turns out there are no good tree trimming jokes out there, so if anyone thinks of one along the way. Um, Cherryland trims trees in the areas surrounding our electric lines in order to prevent tree-related outages and to help make sure our utility crews can access our lines for maintenance and repairs. So to dig into the joys and challenges of our tree trimming program, I am joined today by our ever-trusty general manager, Tony Anderson. Good afternoon. Excited to talk trees. Absolutely. Awesome. And also another fellow employee here at Cherryland, our line superintendent, Jim Carpenter. Hi, Jim. Hello. Hello. Jim has worked for the co-ops for over 36 years, mostly here at Cherryland. He took a brief hiatus from Cherryland to work as a safety and training consultant for our statewide organization. Uh, he started at Cherryland in 1980, 1979.
1: 1979, October of 1979.
0: Oh, well, that's perfect. You know, that's one of my favorite years. don't know if you knew that. <laughs> it's when I, it's when I came, stepped onto this mortal coil. You're Uh.
1: such a young being.
0: (laughs) So uh, Jim started in our warehouse and since then has done pretty much every job available at Cherryland, uh, in addition to being a lineman. And today he is responsible for our safety program, our maintenance programs, including tree trimming, and our metering department. Did I miss anything?
1: Buildings and grounds.
0: And buildings and grounds. Yes. So he keeps us housed and he keeps the lights on. Yes. Pretty important jobs. I value them. So do we. So, Jim, to get us started, why don't you talk a little bit about how our approach to tree trimming has changed over the years you've been here?
1: When I uh, worked on our right-of-way crew, I tell people I did three years' hard labor on the brush crew. We had only employees clearing the right-of-way. We didn't even really have what's considered a bucket truck by today's standards. We had a chipper truck and a ladder truck, and we had five people and we would start at our office, and we may go to the ends of our system, clear up by Northport or down by Manistee, uh, leave in the morning and come back every day. And that uh, was
2: every month of the year?
1: Every month of the year. We didn't have a lot of good equipment. We would, this time of year, we would actually be trimming trees on snowshoes with pruners. We would have, you know, 40 foot pruners walking with snowshoes to trim the trees. It was not effective as far as staying up with the way the trees would grow it, it just you know we were we were getting things done but it, it, we just could not maintain the system
0: how long did it take to get around the system with that model
1: when i worked for us you know for three years on our right-of-way crew we didn't get around a quarter of our system in those three years it just there's so much travel time and we didn't have the quality equipment or the manpower to th- to so that's the, a
2: that's a twelve year rotation for those people listening. And today our rotation is seven years. Five years. Five we're, years. More than five years now, yes.
0: So how, how how do we get done in five years now what we what used to take us twelve to do?
1: We we put more people out there doing the work with with more equipment. You know, it's a manpower issue. We plan the work. Uh, it's interesting you would think here we are in northern Michigan and there wouldn't be that much difference in the, uh, the tree growth that we have around here, but there really is a difference between Manistee and, and Leelanau County, even within the tree species that grow uh, in, in some of our areas. We have sassafras in the southern end of our system. We don't have any of that even here in Grand. The closest I've seen it is is uh, interlocking.
2: So, probably good for people to know that we don't have any tree trimming employees in house. Those are all contractors. That's correct, Tony. And what is the, the time frame they, they trim? They don't go 12 months out of the year.
1: We do, but there are certain tree species we can't that's trim. What that's what I'm getting at. Is the oak, uh, in the last, you know, really in the last 20 years, oak wilt has become an issue and certainly a, a, a real hot button in the last five years. We do not trim oak between the first of April and now into July. For for several years, we didn't trim clear into uh, October, but there have been some recent studies with uh, the way the the disease progresses, and now April, May, June, we we just avoid oak trees altogether. Oak, Oak wilt is a disease that's spreading across our state rapidly. And we're doing everything we can do in our in our business practices to avoid spreading
0: it. So, um, obviously, it's important to us to prevent the spread of diseases amongst trees, but we also know we have a lot of trees on our system that are already diseased and dying. What is our approach to those trees right now?
1: What we're doing now is we're actually sending a person around and inventorying the system, for, for lack of a better word, to see these diseased, dead, dying trees that are outside of our right-of-way even to take them down to avoid the outages. Trees are our number one cause of outages or have been, you know, almost my entire time here at Cherry Lane. With the program we started with the invasion of emerald ash borer, we actually uh, in 2015 went a year when trees were not our number one cause. But we will will go around and remove these trees that are tall enough uh, that if they were to fall into the right of way, they would cause an outage. We're taking them down. Now we don't do anything to help spread the disease in that we, we take the tree down to make it safe for our system, but the wood stays with the property owner.
0: And by leaving the wood with the property owner, that's helping to keep that disease from spreading throughout our system it's by moving with the wood, Correct,
1: it's leaving it where it is.
2: And the average person in listening might question, well, why don't you just cut them back farther? Uh, what are trees doing hitting our lines? Why, our, well, why don't we trim more trees?
1: Good question, our right-of-way is only 30 feet wide. We've talked from time to time about the possibility of trying to widen our easements as some utilities have in other states to go to a 40 foot easement. But we have many ash trees, oak trees, et cetera, that are over 70 feet tall. And to be at the edge of a 30 a, a foot right of way, there's you know, you don't have to be a very big tree to fall across our line. Right.
2: And people should know that that 30 foot right of way is 15 feet from each side of the pole. If you
1: stand so under that center wire, 15 foot each direction, correct.
0: And Jim, what rules do we have concerning what people can plant inside of our right-of-way?
1: Well, we, we can't enforce anything as far as what people can plant. We encourage people that if they're going to plant trees, that they would plant tree species that can't grow up into the line. And ultimately, we would like that wire to be able to fall to the ground We have protective devices on our system that if a wire comes down for any reason, uh, a tree breaks a wire, if a car hits a pole, if there's a lightning strike and that wire breaks, it has to come to the ground to shut the system off and to make our system safe. So if there are tree species directly underneath the wire, it can't fall all the way to ground. And suddenly you have a line that's energized at almost 8,000 volts that's suspended even at, at body height so we want those trees to be able to fall all the way to the ground and and we'd really rather not have anything under the line but if if you're going to plant some some decorative shrubs or if you're going to make a uh, kind of a privacy wall at your property line then then just just have it at the property line so that the line can fall safely
2: and we while we can enforce what you plant under our line we do have the right to trim anything that gets close to our line so plant away but know that whenever that tree grows up and gets close to our power line, it's going to get whacked off.
1: And that's not only our overhead lines. When you plant shrubs and trees next to our underground transformers or switching devices in a subdivision that has underground lines, you have to keep that equipment six foot away. The voltage inside those enclosures is the same as up on our lines and our employees have to be able to work safely inside those enclosures. So again, we, could, we would likely cut shrubs away that are too close to those enclosures also.
0: It's interesting because I think um, sometimes the feedback we hear from our members is that they don't like our tree trimming policies, right? They don't they don't want us to come in and take a tree that's on their property or they wanna be able to plant whatever they want, but it's just really important, I think, for our members to understand that we're not just doing this arbitrarily. It's, it's one, a reliability issue, but perhaps even more importantly, it's often a safety issue for our employees but also for the people living in that home.
1: Absolutely. The, the, uh, it's, it's interesting the way things have changed. It's been almost four years since we got the big storm in March and attitudes have changed a lot as far as tree trimming since the big storm four years ago March and then the, of course our windstorm in August this year. People understand that those trees are, are a threat to our lines and they're, they're more accepting of the tree trimming we have to do.
0: So speaking of the kind of impact and big storms and things like that is there a way to quantify kind of what has been the overall impact of our tree trimming program on our system reliability
1: emerald ash borer has probably been the biggest headache we've seen in my years here emerald ash borer was brought into this country in creating material into uh windsor ontario and then spread through the detroit metro area As the trees were cut down, people coming north to camp or to go to their cabin brought this firewood with them. Well, the the firewood had the larvae from the emerald ash borer beetle with them, and it has spread through our area. In June of 2013, we started a program where we were removing these ash trees outside the right-of-way. In the first six months, we realized what an impact we were having we were removing over 10,000 trees outside of our right-of-way each year that had the potential of causing an outage. And what that did, it created the situation where in 2014, trees were no longer our number one cause of outages. Just in case you're wondering, that number one cause then was birds and and small animals. Which
0: we're not going to start removing. We're not going to to remove them,
1: although they sometimes do have to be removed when they cause an outage. Uh, we do we do things as much as we can to cover that up. But if you've tried to keep squirrels out of your bird feeder, you know how difficult that can be.
2: <laughs> What's our annual budget for tree trimming?
1: Well, in the last five years, we've spent three point eight million dollars. It it grows a bit each year. The cost of labor for doing the tree trimming is increasing. There are less and less con- people wanting to go for the to work for the contractors doing that work, so the price increases. Um, but we will soon be at about a million dollars a year. Some of that includes cutting right away for new services and for new lines that we're building, but right around a million a year with everything we do.
0: Why do you think less people want to work for contractors?
1: Well, it's dangerous work. You know, you're running chainsaws and you're up near 8,000-volt lines. Anyone who's afraid of heights is already eliminating themselves and now you've got the electricity involved. I will say that the contractor we've used for the last several years, Trees Incorporated, is a very safe organization. They take what they do say, uh, very seriously and uh, we've not seen any injuries with people on our, on our system. But it's hard work. As I said, I called it hard labor when I when I was doing right away way work. It's, it's demanding year-round when it's cold, when it's raining, when it's snowing. They're still out there working in the heat. Same thing.
2: So what do you call the labor you do now? <laughs> Fulfilling. <laughs> Good answer. Fulfilling. Good answer.
0: So it would seem to me that it's even more risky for a tree trimmer and on a system that isn't regularly maintained, right? Like if we're sending them out onto our system and they're working further, I, I mean, this is just logical to me, right? Like they'd be working further away from the lines if we're keeping up on top of our system. It's,
1: it's funny you ask that, Rachel, because the contractors really enjoy working on our system because we do maintain it. It's easier for them to do their job and to do it correctly. So if you have people who want to work on our system, who want to work at Cherryland Electric Co-op, just like I do, they're more successful.
0: So, I have a, I'm going to ask a question on behalf of a member. All right. If I have someone who has a tree at, at their property that they believe is a threat to the electric service, what do they need to do? What's the process for that member?
1: Whenever you have a question like that, certainly call us and we'll place a service order and I will come out and take a look at it. Now, if the, if the tree is a threat to the service to your home, we may tell you that we will drop the wire so you can take the tree down. If that tree is a threat to a primary line, a line that's serving you know, a big number of people on our system, we will likely take that tree down for you. Now, we are not a tree service, like a, a, a private tree company that, that cuts trees down and hauls the wood away and grinds stumps. We're a utility company. We will make the, the scene safe for our lines and for the member but the trees that are a threat to a person's home or to their own service they're gonna have some skin in the game on that in that too we will help you but uh, but we may not take it down for you we, we may just assist you by dropping the line so it's safe for you to do the work
0: Sure. And but so, always
1: call because we'll we'll take a look at it
0: so we'll send so if they call we send someone out to take a look at it if we determine it's um something that we need to take care of, we get one of our crews too, but otherwise we'll make sure it's safe for them to have their own tree trimmer.
1: That's correct. Okay.
0: So then if our crews come in and um, are doing work around a member's home, what should the member expect once the work is done?
1: If it's a dead and diseased tree, the pretty much all of that tree is going to be there on their property for them to dispose of. If it's a live tree, we will chip the live branches but the large wood will stay there. We'll cut it into manageable lengths, but we, we're not necessarily making firewood for you or hauling the wood away. Um, I've had people say, well, you know, that's gonna cost me to do that. Th- that's true. If that tree comes down, whether we take it down or not, there's gonna be costs involved in getting it, uh, getting that tree hauled away. But this way, we've, made it, we've done it safely and we've, we've saved you a lot of money.
0: And in general, there are people out there who want firewood, right? So, I mean, it can't be that hard to offload some.
1: Actually, Rachel, that's that's a problem we occasionally have is that people will just take the wood that is left. Um, when we when our contractors leave, there, there's nothing we can do to protect that wood for you. We've had people stop by and say, hey, what's going to happen with that wood? And we say it belongs to the property owner, and that's you know about the best we can do.
0: So how would I know if I'm in an area that tree crews are going to be working through my area in any given year? How do I know where I am in the cycle?
1: Certainly call, and, and we'll tell you when your circuit is due. But if the work is being done this year, you will receive a postcard with a picture of a, a bucket truck and actually a whole tree crew working there and telling you that we're going to be doing work in your area within in the coming weeks.
0: And if I have an uh, emerald ash borer you're going to remove, do you mark the trees you're going to remove?
1: We generally mark those with a red ribbon. And when the ash borer became a, a hot issue at first, we, we would do a full circuit at a time removing the ash trees. And if I'm doing a, a full circuit now with removing ash borers, again, you'll get a postcard and it has a, a dead tree with a red ribbon on it, letting you know we're coming to, rem- to take those trees down.
0: So for the most part, I should know in advance that you're coming. Yes. And uh, either the all the wood will be left for me because it's a diseased tree or just the larger pieces of wood will be left for me because it's still my tree at the end of the day.
1: Correct. But uh, that being said, if one of our employees spots a dangerous tree, we may take that out of cycle uh, and we may just take that tree down. Uh, trust me, we're not looking for trees to take down just because we need, we've got – nothing else to do. We're, we're looking for trees that are a threat to the system and keeping it reliable for our members.
0: I think they, they appreciate that. One of the things I hear from our members a lot when I'm out in the community is that we're doing a better job of keeping the lights on than, you know, maybe other comparisons they have to make and also even compared to ourselves historically, right? Like I hear that Absolutely. a lot that we've really improved our Um, overall system reliability and people love it when their cherry land and maybe their neighbor's a different utility and we're on and they're not right that's always always good news (laughs) here
2: goes back to that fulfilling piece (laughs) that's right
0: exactly anything else about trees
1: if you have questions please call and uh, it doesn't cost anything for us to come out and take a look at an issue or give you some advice
2: that's great that's great. and you
1: know one of the troubling things uh, we i've talked a lot about emerald ash and we've mentioned oak wilt but i see other diseases that are a concern uh beet scale is fairly new to our area it was devastating in the upper peninsula a few years ago but we're seeing it in our area now in leelanau county out in the long lake area also and then pine bark beetle is killing mature pine trees so there's a lot of things out there that are that are affecting uh, our forests. Our forests are getting old. Our system here at Cherryland Electric Co-op is over 78 years old. Um, So just remember, we've got a couple things in play out there. The trees are growing and the power line stays the same size. So you may think, well, we've never had anything to, to do anything with that tree in the past. And that's true. The tree wasn't at the size that it is now. So things do change. But give a call, and we'll answer any questions we can.
0: Okay, so I'm going to give the, the big one that everyone will say in response to what you just said. Well, why don't you just put all the lines underground? Then you wouldn't have to worry about the trees, Jim. But then, then you wouldn't have any, anything to do either. <laughs>
2: well, uh, as a manager, I would say that's going to triple your cost. <laughs> you know, it's typically three times the cost to put lines underground as it is overhead. So that has a factor on our rates. It's cheaper to spend a million dollars trimming trees than it is to spend. A million dollars to do a mile line or a couple miles line depending on where it's at
1: and and no one should think that we don't have outages with underground lines we actually do and lightning gets into underground lines and uh, it's very hard on them when we have an underground outage it takes more than double the amount of time to restore power so it's higher costs and it's longer outages
2: have we ever had any trouble with tree roots and underground line
1: very seldom. It's more an issue where someone decided to leave a tree in an area where we've got an underground transformer or a switching station, and then as a the tree grows, it, it will uh, cause a leveling problem for that equipment. But it, I, I've not seen it where it actually damages the underground conductor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But if you plant trees over the underground lines, if anything ever does go wrong with that conductor, it will be Digging those trees and shrubs up then
2: we take the whole tree instead of just the top of the tree correct
0: good to know good to know well um, as Jim pointed out if, if for any of our members out there listening if you ever have any questions about tree trimming or about a tree at your location we'd rather have you be safe than sorry so give us a call we'll send someone out to take care of it that's that's how we that's how we operate here we're, we're local so we can we can swing by
1: and the other thing is if if there's a tree you're concerned about if you try to take that tree down and you knock our wires down, it's probably going to cost you to have us fix them. But if it's a tree we're, we would be willing to take down to you for you for free, you know, mm-hmm. go ahead and do the safe thing and let us take it down for you.
0: Sure, absolutely. And, the mo- and obviously the most important part of that being t- take the option that's the safest option. Absolutely. That's, that's our number one, number one value there. Great. Well, uh, so this concludes our talk about tree trimming, but before we end the podcast, it's time for co-op fun facts. I'm told Tony has a great one.
2: Well, when you think about 900 co-ops from coast to coast, and we always talk meters per mile nationally, the meters per mile at electric co-ops is about five and a half meters per mile. At Cherryland, we have 11 meters per mile. So we're a little above the national average, which helps keep rates down.
0: So I'm going to go second because I want gems to be the last one. So mine, I tried to actually come up with something that was a little bit relevant to tree trimming in comparing the number of miles of line we have to maintain versus municipal utilities. So nationwide, uh, municipal utilities own and maintain about 417,000 miles of line. Obviously in cities, a lot of times where there's generally less of a tree, th- th- tree threat anyway, co-ops across the country maintain 2.5 million miles of line. So we have six times the line and certainly more than six times the trees to maintain.
2: And far less meters per mile. And
0: far less meters per mile. Tony and I obviously picked up on a theme for today's Fun Facts.
1: Well, my fact is a little more fun <laughs> than yours.
0: <laughs> it's not a competition, Jeff. If,
1: <laughs> if you've seen our Cherryland trucks or if you've been to the home show recently or uh, chamber events, you may have seen a character called Willie Wirehand. And uh, Willie uh, represents electric co-ops nationwide and originally, the co-ops wanted to use Reddy, Reddy Kilowatt, who was a character created by Ashton B. Collins, and he was being used back in the 1950s for the private companies. And uh, Ashton Collins told NRECA that, which was actually then was RUS, that they could not use uh, his personality there, and in fact threatened to sue them. If they did use it, or if they created any character that would compete with theirs, he indeed did uh, try to sue them and and lost badly. But uh, Reddy Kilowatt represents the investor-owned or the private utilities, and Willie Wirehand is a co-op guy. And you'll see him on our trucks, and you may see him at the home show or in cherry festival parade this year.
0: I, well, and I I heard that um, Reddy Kilowatt's anti-socialist. Is that is there any truth to that rumor? Well.
1: That was the th- reason that Mr. Collins did not want uh, the co-ops to use his person is because he thought the co-ops were socialistic because we were using government money to get electricity to the folks out into the country.
2: Even though the investor-owned utilities had the first chance to go out in the country and install those wires and chose not to, mm-hmm. which is why we were born.
0: Refused to serve those 2.5 millions of line that we built. There you go. Cool. Well, there you go. Co-op fun packs. Thanks, guys. Thank
2: Thank you. you.